You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my legendary, never faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. And with us as well, of course, is the catastrophically creative and eternally optimistic Gibbles and Bits. How you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty well, my friend. Happy to be back after uh, my time away on vacation in uh, sunny Florida. Yeah. Uh, do I have mouse ears? Can you can you, can you see them? Can, you I, see, can everybody see them on the podcast? I can imagine them. Yes, I can imagine them. Okay. Well, they're there. I, I promise. I'm choosing there. to imagine like uh, like like Twi'lek uh, tails or something instead. Twi'lek tails. Ooh. You know. Talk- uh, because. Because I did see a lot of those, uh, I did see a lot of those pictures from the what is it, the Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge? Or, is that what it is, or Frontier, or that something is like that? Oh yeah, ga- yeah, Galaxy's Edge. Oh, That's so the jealous. Star Wars world. And I actually Facetimed Mark. I didn't know he was on stream, so my B. I was like uh, literally live. Sh- I, wait, what was I? Oh, I was live streaming, uh, playing Star Wars Legion. We did oh like a gosh. four or five hour live stream of Star Wars Legion. And in the meantime, I'm literally FaceTiming with Gibby in Galaxy's Edge at the same time. Like Wild. the Millennium Falcon behind him. <laughs> yeah, it was pre- it was pretty great. Uh, but yeah, he I, I FaceTimed and I was like, I just want you to be able to see what I'm looking at. It's glorious. And uh, yeah, he was he was very busy, but he took my call and was kind about it nonetheless. And I can imagine he liked to, he liked to seeing the the Millennium Falcon behind me and watching Kylo Ren jump out of a ship. And it was it was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very cool. And I was super jealous, man. I mean, I mean, it's no no mystery here. We have some Star Wars fans. Even one episode mm-hmm. of the Mulligan, I think you can get over on Patreon. We, me and uh, DBN, go through and and rate all of the shows. We have very different opinions, but we, we both do. love. We the point is, is that we both love Star Wars, right? It's true. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a little jealous. I just came back from vacation as well. It wasn't sunny Florida, and the reason why my voice is so sultry and raspy and sexy is because mm. I have a cold as a product of said vacation. So we went away to a cabin this weekend with my family, and one of the greatest parts of the cabin is I get to hang out with my brother. And uh, every year we play through uh, some stuff from the board game uh, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. And so we started playing through the new big box expansion Spreading War this weekend. Uh, But in addition to that, I also got a lot of LOR time in uh, because all of my family goes to sleep before me. So everyone would go to sleep and then I would just stay up late playing TFT or, or LOR. Uh, on my iPad or on my phone for a while, which despite the fact that the internet was hot trash, uh, you know, in the middle of the mountains in, in central Pennsylvania, uh, it was still quite awesome. So I, I got some good LOR time in as well. DBN, you're not just coming back from a vacation, but uh, but you've gotten some time to play LOR as well. It's true. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, no, no, um, no vacation for me this time. Uh, but uh, but I did play quite a few uh, games over the last week. I played, of course, some LOR. Um, really, just kind of uh, interested in a lot of the new stuff. Um, just have enjoyed sort of tinkering a little bit. 
Um, I've been playing Pokemon Unite. Uh, we've been uh, we've yeah, made yeah, a little yeah. a little team uh, to start uh, practicing and competing in some of these open qualifiers and community events and whatnot. That's been a lot of fun. Um, I've been playing some Storybook Brawl. Uh, really enjoying that. And um, I mean, I guess that's mostly that's mostly it. Played some Ultimate Frisbee on Sunday. That's not a, a, a strategy game, a video game, but uh, it's still a game, and I had a great time. Um, yeah, but, uh, you guys unite. But, uh, you guys united up this weekend, right? Uh, we did. Five man squad. <laughs> you know <laughs> about that. You know, so so to be fair, we had only uh, made the team like three or four days beforehand. Uh, we'd only yeah. practiced together like once in like once in a half, right? Where like okay, we had, right. you know, so we had a five stack, but it wasn't the same people that were going to be playing, you know, on <laughs> on Saturday. So so we went in, we got thwomped by uh, a team that ended up going to I think the top eight. So it's like that doesn't feel too bad, you know. Uh, we didn't know at the time. At the time, we were like, "We're terrible. Oh, we're so bad. We're so bad." But then, okay, it turns out they're pretty good. Uh, and then we go to our. It was it was a uh, double Elam. We go to our next match, uh, and we played a team, and we won our first game. Uh, we lost our second game, and we should have won our third game. And Zap got uh, sniped by like one, like the only person left alive on their team. Just. Pure oh, worse. Pure chance. We're all throwing all of our abilities at Zapdos, and this dude walks in there and throws his one ability and manages to grab it in the midst of pyro balls and and you know dazzling gleams and everything going off. And turns out, I guess, not that you could tell, but his was the last one to hit it, apparently. Uh so instead of winning the game <laughs> that we we definitely should have won and we had beaten them, you know, we had managed the game really well up until then. Uh, unfortunately that, you know, 10% Zapdos snipe, uh, happened and we lost, but honestly it was a good experience. And, uh, we, we even played a little bit, um, you know, since then and, and have gotten some more time in. And I think it's going to be a really enjoyable thing, uh, for all of us to sort of share. And, and of course, like any MOBA Pokemon Unite is way more fun with the team and to coordinate oh, and, and, you know, and whatnot. So we're. We're, we're enjoying that. Oh, yeah. It was it was so much fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed. We've got a lot of really great guys that we've uh, kind of joined forces with. Mm-hmm. So it has been so much fun. One, getting to know our team better. And this is probably my first experience in really getting to play. One, this is like my, my first MOBA that I've gotten deep into like a competitive scene with. And if I'm following streamers and I'm trying to unlock characters and I'm looking at strategies and really like trying to get down into the nitty gritty to be competitive and like try to play at a really high level. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've hit masters, uh, DBN hit masters today. We, we, we grinded oh, the masters nice. for both of us are there now. Nice. Yeah. So it's two seasons so, in a row for each of us, you know, we're right. Nice, so we're, nice. we're there now and it feels legit. And we're we're happy that we're like hitting this competitive kind of stride, mm-hmm. and it's it takes time to to get there, and we understand that. So we've we've definitely managed our expectations amongst our group, mm-hmm. but dang, does it not feel good to to start scheduling practice sessions, which is what we were doing before this, yeah, and start <laughs> trying to to hit like this this really really top level, uh, just high level play where we can start stomping people out and start getting ourselves recognized like it's it's really really cool you have a couple more weekends right where you can uh you a guys a couple can more enter. months 
actually. A couple more yeah. months. Oh, okay. So lots of opportunities a, left. It's like, it's like one there's or two There's an open a month. qualifier every month. Yeah. Okay. So the open there's an open qualifier every month, and then they it's a double elim tournament for whoever how many teams sign up. This last time it was 180 something or 190 something teams. They cut to a top 16, and that's where they end the open qualifier. And then a couple weekends later, they do the actual finals of that month's tournament. Gotcha. gotcha. I think they well, like very cool. That and stuff. Yeah, I, I do have to backtrack just for a second, though, because we we did sort of glaze over this trip to Galaxy's Edge a little bit. And I have to mm, ask you yes, because back to Galaxy's Edge. Actually, while you were in Galaxy's Edge, I think I was watching a YouTube video of the process that you go through of where you can like get a Kaiba crystal and create a lightsaber and everything. I have to ask you, did you actually do that? Did you go through like the create a lightsaber thing that that you can do in galaxy's edge i did not it is a it is a specific defined area in galaxy's edge that you have to go to in order for like it's a building that you as okay. you have to intentionally go into where they do this whole process to make it like like secluded and like really really cool like it's definitely worth doing if that's something you're interested in but do you, you know go how in there with the intention of because I gotta know how much money I, I have it. to save up for later this year. <laughs> that's why I didn't do it. And I it's crazy because I see I saw these families walking around where like all these different kids have lightsabers. Like I can't even go and buy a hoodie at, at Disney World <laughs> without spending sixty five dollars. So per, like I kid you not. I kid you not. I swear I bought my wife a pair of sweatpants that were like sixty dollars. Yep. And I but and I got myself nothing because I was like, I'm not doing that for me. Uh, so <laughs> It, but I can only imagine what these lightsabers are. I know they were at least triple digits. Yeah. For one. Yeah. Like they're really good quality. They're really good lightsabers. You get a lot of like mechanics and like you can even, they even have a section in Galaxy Z where you can build your own like BB-8 like kind of droid. Like you can, you can put different processing programs in it. You can choose all the internal colors and all of the different like motor mechanics to it. They have an actual like mechanical building workshop in there where there are people like employees that are certified and they will help you build a droid like it's really really cool well i'm gonna need something they've outdone themselves in the studio from galaxy's edge whenever i do get the chance to get there i mean we're gonna be taking my daughters to bippity boppity boutique so i'm going to go to galaxy's edge and come home with a lightsaber right you know yes it it is absolutely worth the trip uh to go and you you and uh you and dbn have something in the mail uh, coming your way from Galaxy's Edge. Ooh, very exciting. Exciting. I will. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, there's no wonder Gibby couldn't afford anything for himself. He spent all his money on us. Um, yeah. I didn't buy myself a single thing Dang. the entire trip. You Literally, know, it, it is we funny. outside of alcohol. It, it is funny. I have been reading a lot of articles. Just I don't know why they keep getting recommended, but I find them interesting. So I guess it's my own fault. Thanks, Google algorithms. Uh, but uh, but but Disney is actually coming under a lot of fire and scrutiny right now for basically trying to like. They're, they're pricing out a large demographic um, and basically they've, you know, not publicly determined, but like within their board of investors and whatnot, um, there's discussion about basically they, they want to price out the average American family and make it a exclusive, you know, upper middle class to upper class, you know, experience mm. um, and something that, you know, they're they're elevating their prices. They're sort of changing the way they're hotel packages are and stuff that you know it's it's actually becoming whereas you know even when i was a kid it was it was 
possible and accessible, you know, for a family to plan a vacation, take their kids there and do everything as a family. Um, but, you know, everything from food to, you know, things you can get from gift shops to, um, you know, of course, the, especially in the hotel prices, um, they're really just trying to to get it. You know, they're, they're bumping, they're elevating their prices and, and it's no longer the level of affordable for, you know, Disney fans of all, you know, of all. Oh, yeah. We've been saving up for like three trades. Years, right. Like, yeah, it's it's like, it's crazy, though. Like. And, and, you know, it, it's, um, it, it is, I think something that is going to, it's a trend that unfortunately is supported. I mean, Disney world is so absurdly successful and it's so like, it's weirdly, it's almost been like brainwashed into like our culture over the last three or four decades. Like that Disney world is like the family vacation and like you, everybody's got to go. It's the most magical place on earth, yada, yada, yada. And you start looking at it and I guess I'm being a Disney hater. Uh, I, I, I was, it was pretty freaking magical, uh, you know, (laughs) but so magical, you know, but, but you do start to wonder like, um, you know, is, is this eventually just going to become one of those things that like, that the average people just can't do anymore. And that's going to be sad because everybody remembers going to that, to Disney world as kids and stuff. And, you know, I, I know that, I know that like, I wouldn't want to break the bank on it, you know, in another 10 years or 20 years, you know, when I have kids that want to go to it, if it continues at this rate, it's probably not going to be, you know, a smart use of money. If it goes too much further than where it is now. I mean, what I hear is I got to get my girls there soon. You, yeah, uh, what I hear, yeah. Legitimately, yes, now. because the yeah. trend it is continuing <laughs> to trend up, and it has trended up precipitously since COVID. Yeah, well, that's not a surprise. Everything is uh, more expensive today. But, Today's uh, dictionary word of the day: precipitous. Yeah, yeah, you like uh, that one? Yeah, well, <laughs> I do. I do like it. Well, we are, you know, all of all of the Disney talk aside. Uh, I'm glad, Gibby, you got a chance to go and check it out. Galaxy's Edges. A dream, a dream of mine. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully sometime this uh, this year, the plan is in 2022 to try to get my two daughters down there. They're just getting old enough to really be able to enjoy the magic of it all. Luckily, we have family who live like in Kissimmee, right where Disney World is, uh, that we can kind of crash with so we don't have to do the hotel packages. And That's we have good. family That's who huge. works in Disney that can get us into the park a day for free, which also, we, you know. That's amazing. Sweet. That's not bad. So it's kind of like fly down there and then we just go in for a day and then come home, uh, which is which so, is pretty awesome. So, uh, so, so real fast, that. while we're on the Disney thing, right? And I know Mark mm-hmm, just said, mm-hmm, let's get mm-hmm. off the Disney thing. But while we're yeah, on the Disney thing. Yeah, but this is a thing, Disney podcast, so let's talk about it. Sure, it might yeah, as well be. Just, I have to shout it out. Have you guys seen Encanto? It's great. I've seen it a billion times. Holy hey, 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 twice today. Hey, hey, hey. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I, no, I no, knew no. you we were going to talk, about, talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Dude. No. <laughs> I saw that. I, so I watched that. It was that, my uh, wedding day. It was our wedding day. <laughs> oh, okay, Mark, I was a few minutes this life. Yo, Encanto is the best Disney movie to come out in the last decade. I'm just saying it. It's very it's good. It's so good. I said it had. It has mad D and D vibes. It it weirdly does. Yeah. Like it, it's got it's, it's a D and D plot. You know, it's it's exciting. Uh, the music's great. I, I see all the characters are are likable. The family is cute, and you know, um, yeah, even man. when they're dysfunctional, you you like know that they're, you know, 
a still a family. It's oh man, I I seriously yeah. I I fell in love with that movie. It's I I can't hype that up enough for uh for everybody. So the listeners, we're not talking about Eloir. We're talking about Bruno. Um yeah. And 7 uh, foot frame, rats upon his back. Yep. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's totally such a good. It. And and while we're while we're not talking about Disney, but we are talking about Disney. One of the things they're doing really in the park, it's really really cool is they actually are at a very good rate. Anytime they come out with a movie that's kind of a hit, they're incorporating that in the parks. So there's a section of all of their there's a portion of all of their um like fireworks shows that they do every night at the end of the night and parts of the park that are like like my, my wife's favorite movie is Coco that didn't come out too long ago. There mm-hmm. are parts of there's an entire area that's dedicated that's dedicated to Coco. Oh, yeah. nice. That movie. Strange. And they're starting to incorporate a lot of Encanto stuff. Dude. So Encanto is seriously Encanto is incredible. The, I so love, we don't, I love it. We don't talk about Bruno. It has mm-hmm. uh has uh, outpaced on the charts Let It Go. Now it's more you know what? No, it's the highest gro- it's the it's highest way better than Disney Let It Go. I'm sorry. Uh it is. <laughs> Frozen it is, is, really is just yeah. Literally yeah, listen to the soundtrack today. And what a question. Was Encanto like in uh movie theaters? Or was it just nope. on Disney just Plus Disney exclusive? Plus. Yeah, just Disney Plus. Went straight to Disney that's Plus. A, that's incredible yeah. to think about, but um Yeah. Like the, the, good, it should have been good. in theaters. It's better than a lot of things that are in theaters. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Disney sometimes doesn't know which movies are gonna hit. They have no they idea. always know that they have a pretty decent product, but they don't know how well it's gonna take. It's true. And this one happened to be a banger. So yeah. they really they're good. gonna latch onto it and they're gonna they're gonna capitalize. And it surprises yeah. me because the music the was the composer as the same guy that did um uh Hamilton. Hamilton. And it's like yeah, you would have thought that if he's attached to the project, they would have given it, you know, like top theater billing, right? But I, I don't know. I mean, I guess Disney Plus is the new movie theater. <laughs> he's no John uh, honestly, Williams, but he's good. Everybody with kids does not want yeah. to go to a movie theater. As That's someone true. with kids, movie mm-hmm. theaters are terrifying to me, right? Unless you like give it all to me and put a couch in there instead of any of the seats, then I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, no one else is in That's there, right. then it's fine. But. Yeah. Uh, Mark doesn't want to go to the movie theater, but he does want to talk about Bruno. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's exactly. right. We've literally been going around my house for a month straight, and we'll just go to my daughter at random, and we'll go, "Hey, Brooklyn, we don't talk about Bruno." And she loses. <laughs> she's like, she's like, that's from a movie. She just like loses her shit entirely. Just like Mark, can't you heard it here first, guys. Mark intentionally triggering his own children. Oh my god. All the freaking time. Can I just like my my daughter has more buttons than my wife to push. And like I can't even get inside my house. Like I step inside my house. Three of my wife's buttons have been pushed just by my pure existence. And my daughter (laughs) has more of them. And sometimes you can only be around that for so long before you're just like, I'm pushing every button that you have. Like I'm I can't deal with it. You go for broke. Yeah. Like I get corrected more by my daughter than anybody else in my life. And so sometimes you just have to be like, you know what? You're four. And I'm going to make small. you mad. Like, you're smaller than me, and I'm now going to make you angry because I know how. What's so. four times four? Yeah. Okay. You don't That's know right. exactly. And then you she have gives no me the idea. She's like 16, Dad. And I'm like, son of a, you're in preschool, right? Uh, anyway. That's when you tell her, no, it's 12. Yeah. That's it's right. like hard. And you... It's hard when you're 33 and you're the third smartest person in your house. And <laughs> like you only beat out a two-year-old and a dog, and you're not actually sure if your IQ is higher than the two-year-old yet. It might not be, you know. 
Uh, we don't talk about Mark. Yeah. No, oh, no, Mark, no. That's right. <laughs> so, so much, Bruno. Okay, let's talk about announcements real quick, and then we'll, we'll get into the main segment of the show. Just very quickly, uh, Legends Cast is going to be moving to a monthly, maybe bi-monthly type of show. Uh, we're leaving mm-hmm. a new opening because we changed the recording plans for our new podcast, which is coming out in the beginning of March, Almost Legends, which is a Dungeons & Dragons. It's not a dungeon. It's a tabletop RPG podcast. That is going to the first campaign is set using Dungeons and Dragons 5.0 rules. It's going to be set um, in uh, the first season of Arcane, and you can listen to episode zero, which will be coming out in the beginning of March. It'll give you a few more details about that. And the episode that came out on this feed just before this one last Friday is the pilot for uh, Almost Legends. So if you like Dungeons and Dragons, you like us. Or you like uh, League of Legends uh, lore, like any of those things mm-hmm. that you like, or if you like Arcane, any of those four things that you like, or good audio, five things that you like, you should listen to Almost mm-hmm. Legends. Go drop it a rating and review so that people can go and find it. Now it's everywhere that you would mm-hmm. listen to podcasts, you can go out and find it. We're still waiting on some new logo stuff that we're going to be putting out. Um, in addition to that, we're elevating this, uh, like us three are going to be leading something called uh, the Camp Legend Network, um, which uh, will house or uh, sort of encompass all of our podcasts that we're going to do in the future and also potentially other people who might want to bring in shows underneath the Camp Legend banner uh, and get a little bit of free, you know, word of mouth and marketing out there uh, as we bring people in. So um, that's going to be happening here at the beginning of March as well. Our Patreon page, thank you to all our patrons, by the way. And our Discord is going to become the Camp Legend. It's going to house and be the home of the community for Almost Legends and Legends cast both. And like I said, originally we were doing three episodes of Almost Legends and one episode of uh, Legends cast a month. Now we're going to be doing two Almost Legends and one or two episodes of Legends cast a month. Sort of depending on how much content there is for LOR at the time. So all of that stuff is coming. It'll be out here really soon. We're really excited. for it. We're actually recording episode one. In uh, episode zero of Almost Legends, like in the next seven or eight days. Uh, so that stuff's going to be coming out. We're excited for it. Uh, other than that, no other announcements. Thank you guys for tuning in. Good luck to everybody who's playing in the Discord League right now. Let's go ahead and jump over to our first segment for this episode. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. In our first segment, guys, uh, we're going to be talking about the decks that we've been playing uh, because new content came out last week and all three of us have been playing a good bit of LOR. Uh, I'm going to kick it to Gibby first, though. Gibby, what have you been playing and what have you been enjoying uh, in since you know the new set came out last Wednesday? Like, what, What's been your jam in the closing of the Bandlewood expansion? Closing of the Bandlewood? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fitting, right? Because... It's a lot of Bandlewood stuff, oh, like our yes. Bandle City. Like is it Bandle, Bandle City? City? I always get it confused if it's Bandlewood or Bandle City. Bandlewood's the expansion. Bandle City is the region. Oh, okay. It's it's running rampant. I mean, and I'm not I'm not I'm uh, not talking meta here. I'm going to avoid talking meta and talking about like any balancing of decks that's out there. What I'm going to talk about more specifically is what I've been playing, which is the point of the of the question um i'm really impressed with a lot that's out there i like the new stuff that they've entered they've injected into the game it's been really really cool the formidable stuff awesome one of my favorite uh, archetypes is regen awesome so us getting extra tools for those things is really really cool i like the attached stuff as well 
Um, but what I've been mainly jamming on is I, every time I can't help it, I always go back to Swain and see what he can do. And there's a, there's a NAR Swain deck that yep. has come out because he synergizes pretty well. It's, it still feels mid-rangey. As long as you can continue to draw cards and keep your hand a little healthy, it feels great. It's aggressive in the, in the early game, throws your opponent off of what they're trying to do uh, a little bit because they have to respond if they don't. They're going to be too far behind, and then here comes Swain, and here comes the Leviathan, stompy, stompy, towards the end of the game. Um, so I've really been enjoying uh, Swain and Gnar. Uh, I've been playing around. I built the, uh, early on. I built a couple decks. I built an all Fey deck because I was theorizing when we were reviewing the cards that there was going to be some synergies Fae with Fey Tribal deck and that the Owl Cats with their spell shield, the 2 1 Owl Cats that you can, can kind of continue to create and summon for one mana, were going to be very strong. Um, I didn't have as much luck with that deck. I've seen some, some uh, top players uh, creating some Fey decks. They're, it's almost like a Fey and Yordle combo which I'm very interested in trying. And I've, I've, I've net decked a, a code of a deck that I'm going to try. But um, the deck, the Fey deck that I made just didn't have enough juice in the end game to, to really get out of it. And it was just trading too, too often with, with others kind of small bandle city decks that like to spawn a bunch of units. And it was just, it just wasn't, I didn't have enough steam towards the end. Um, I think my favorite overall though is a, Nar deck that runs a lot of the transform. I've seen things. that one. I think. Yep, I've seen that deck. I, I've, I've, and I made my own. It's probably not the most uh, efficient or like tight deck, but uh, I've uh, even been playing a lot, around a little, with, a little bit with it for the Legends Cast uh, Discord League. I've made a Masquerade deck that's got a lot of the transform stuff to it, and it seems to work pretty well. So I've I've really liked that playstyle. I think it's tricky. I think it's thought provoking. I think it's wide enough that you can build it in a bunch of different ways with the deck, but it it requires you to be intentional about the way you build it, and and kind of to make it consistent or to where you want it. How greedy do you want to get? You can make it where you're playing some really greedy units and maybe have a little bit of a less consistent curve or draw, but it's it's uh it's a good archetype, and I think it'll be around for a while. Uh, last one I'll, I'll hit on is Bandle Tree. I like Bandle Tree a lot. If you've ever wanted to try Bandle Tree, play it now. Because yep. as we, I, I, I was, I was correct back at the beginning of Bandlewood expansion. We said Bandle Tree. Not sure how well it's going to be, but if the minute they they release more multi-region followers, this deck is going to be nuts. Now you don't have to struggle and try to like figure out what your splash is. You can just main deck every multi-region follower that's Bandle Tree and whatever else, or Bandle City and whatever else, and you can win the game. So it's really strong. If you want to play Bandle Tree, do it. It's fun. Mm. Well, Bandle Tree action. Ian, Bandle Tree. Ian, you've been playing some stuff this week, and you got a deck that you're pretty excited about, and I'd love to hear about why it is Vlad and... Galio or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Did I get Not it right? Close. Was I on? Vlad, Vlad Quinn. Vlad Quinn. Uh, no. What? Uh, no. No, no, no. Those don't synergize. Vlad Quinn. No, no, That's no, no, trash. But you were close. Can you imagine? You were close. It is Braum and Galio. Um, oh, okay, okay. Pretty similar. I get 50 Yeah, and yeah. you know, I am aware that uh, 
that some other people, you know, messed with this and, and this is, but I built the deck without looking at anything, you know? So, uh-huh. and it's interesting to see that like, there are some differences in what I ended up going with and what the sort of established deck that's listed on, you know, room Terra CCG or, or whatever. Um, but it's sort of a mid range formidable list. Of course, Braum is, uh, um, just, a one of my favorite cards, but you know, of course, he is uh pretty solid to get buffed up with you know permanent things. Shield of Durand is, as predicted, an incredible card. Uh, it is worth yes, all three mana is. with it at burst. You're getting five defense, uh, and even though you have to wait for the two of it, like that's incredible to grant five defense, especially when you're granting it to formidable units and especially, especially when you can give those formidable units regeneration. And that's where my build sort of differentiates. I'm running troll gifts, uh, at two, uh, in the spell slot. Like in, in I looking at the other builds that people have been messing with, um, seems like people are really into buried in ice right now. Um, you know, that's weird. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's like a counter meta thing. Uh, I could be wrong, but it's it is weird. But to see it, I I don't. I'm sure that it's like a meta choice. There's also um, I know that a lot of people seem to be really um, into. Uh, I see some people like Bloodsworn Pledge in there, which solid, just a little pricey. But I've chosen Troll Gifts um, in the spell slot as a thing that stands out uh, because when you grant regeneration to something like a Mountain Drake or to let's say. Uh, obviously you give Braum plus two plus two at, at, at burst speed, which is great. Um, but you can also buff up like a petrocyte Broadwing that you've been able to give defensive Probably. buffs to like troll chant, shield of Durand, you know, stuff like that. Um, regen so on good. literally any of these formidable units that you've hit with something else throughout the game to buff its health. They're so snowbally. Like they're insanely snowbally. The formidable yeah. units way more than I expect. for the record. For the record, I think it's a mistake to not put troll gifts in that in that deck. I think mm-hmm. Ian's one hundred percent on on point by adding that in there. It, it's pretty potent. I I now a lot of people, from what I understand, really like the one drop Petrocyte Hound. It's a zero two formidable. I think it's pretty good. Um, I haven't tested that one actually though because I instead put Ruthless Raider in and use that even though it doesn't have formidable. Use it as like a substitute. Uh, as an alternate like sort of win con so if you think about like your win con being like buffing things up like brahm and the mountain drake uh and the petrocyte broadwing and utilizing those to the mid game to just tear away at the board heal them up and keep going um the ruthless raiders actually serves that purpose really really well because of the overwhelm that it gets as well as the um uh tough so even though it may not get formidable unless you have the Durand Ar- uh, Architect, you can still like continue to buff it up, make it bigger and bigger and bigger over the course of the game, and it can really sort of threaten uh, the board. And, and I, again, really like the, the overwhelm on that, on that guy. And, of course, all you need to do is in the mid to late game drop a Durand Architect, and all of a sudden that thing is punching with an overwhelm really, really strong. Now, I feel really validated... Because these decks are running Volpine Wanderer, which I called out on last episode as being an incredible card. And just because Udir may or may not be, you know, good or incredible 
Um, Which he is not. He's horrible. Yes, he's the worst. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Um, just because of that doesn't mean that the uh, stance swap card and things that generate stance swap are bad. In particular, Volpine Wanderer is absurdly good. Like, absurdly good, especially in this deck where you can, again, grant something regeneration or give something like your amazing Mountain Drake that's huge give that um, Overwhelm. Overwhelm. Yeah, this thing is very vulnerable to Vengeance. It's very vulnerable to Minimorph and uh, Hush. Um, but if I'm being honest, um, even though outside of Darkness, like you don't, you're not seeing quite as many of those things right now because the, the the meta seems to have, at least from what I my understanding, seems to have gotten a little more aggressive. So I actually haven't lost with this deck yet. Now I haven't played a million games with it. I guess I've played like what seven games, maybe eight games. Gibby and I played like four or five games together with it the other day, and somehow it hasn't lost yet. It should have lost, but it hasn't. It's really really fun though. Um, it's the kind of playstyle I prefer. It's kind of like go tall. Right. It's exactly it. Um, I mean, it's the playstyle I'm good at. Is maybe what I should say. Uh, and and so I I think. It might its win rate's almost certainly inflated, but I I think it's really cool and more than like more than it's that, also like, just a really solid deck too. It's also just fun. Like it's it's sort of spitting in the face of the I'm gonna win by playing cards from hand and using back row champs. Like it really yeah. is spitting in the face of that standard that LOR has somewhat, in my opinion, devolved into over the last few expansions. So really, uh, really fun to play. I call it ice sculpting. Um. And uh, if anybody wants the code, they can message me. But quite frankly, just look up a code for Brom Galio and add some troll gifts and ruthless raiders, and you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. You know uh, what has been interesting to me is that Brom, not Brom Galio, Galio. Uh, now, just to be fair, if I I want to go back and I want to say mm-hmm. like, okay, what decks? Where were we right? Where were we wrong? You know, it is kind of the question that I want to ask. Um, about because last week DBN and I got a chance to review a lot of these cards and well we reviewed the champions at least and I if I remember correctly in it what you said DBN Nar is going to be incredibly strong yep. Yumi going to be weaker than what people think Udir may find niche play somewhere but we're not going to find it right away it's probably bad and you don't know how good some of the stuff that was around Galio, but Galio himself was going to be a really strong card. Does that sum up what you said last week? Pretty uh, well. I said I don't know where Formidable will land, but Galio in a bubble is good because his effect has inst- like he has an instant effect when hitting the board. Yeah. Um, now the, the the question about Galio is, at seven mana, is he doing enough when he comes down? Um. It seems to be highly dependent on the on the the deck and the meta. Like if the meta is slow enough that, or or if it's or if it's aggressive enough, and you would build a deck like this one, which seems to handle aggro pretty decently, um, then then yeah, he probably is doing exactly what you want him to do, which is finishing games with a wide board state. You know, but if the meta is being able to, um, you know, like like quite frankly, against darkness, Galio is not quite as good. Because you've either won or lost based on how many, you know, how how quickly they're able to get um, 
what is his name, Vigar, sort of leveled and and ready to go. And if you're able to sure. clear out the Vigars before they can get leveled, you win. And that has nothing to do with Galio coming down. Um, so I think that so yeah, Galio yeah, has had the strength of Galio, and at least I don't remember exactly what I said, but I I'll say now the strength of Galio seems to have everything to do with the deck that he's in, and less to do with him as a win con because he is good. It just may not matter by turn seven. <laughs> my my point is, is that you were about spot on with all of the champion predictions. Like what you said last, oh, week, from last week on last episode. Yes. Like at least in the first six, seven days of this being released, like Yumi's been underwhelming. Nara has been really good. Udyr's been terrible. Galio has been strong. Like, I feel like your 10,000-foot view analysis of each of these <laughs> champions and where they would fit has been pretty much entirely accurate. I, I don't know if you would disagree with that or not. I, I, I feel like your analysis has been spot on, though. Well, I, I'm not I surprised. He usually it. is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he's usually pretty accurate with card reading. This 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 dates back all the way to Legends of the Five Rings days, which I would even argue <laughs> is even is an even harder game to read to read just because of the 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 width of the card pool and just how many diverse interactions there are in that game. He's he's very good at reading the cards. It's it's a strength. Well, you know, I was off, uh, and I I overestimated Yumi. Um, because I didn't realize quite how difficult Yumi was going to be to level up. And I often said that Yumi was definitely above and beyond the best attached card that was in existence. And I was not right about that. Um, there is, I don't know whether it's a gimmick or just what I've been playing that's had a problem with it, but there is a Riven Fizz deck that is currently listed as A tier that uses the double attack attach. Um, ability mm. uh, five mana two two paper craft dragon that you will get in the event pass um, that deck uh, I hate that deck um, <laughs> I do not like that deck uh, the one of the and, and the main reason is this uh, mostly is just it is very difficult to get rid of or nullify an attach ability and keyword and so mm-hmm. uh, in the decks that I'm running, like when I even when you mini morph, okay, so what? You mini morph fizz. You took a, a two one that had, you know, well, like a four two, I guess, uh, or a, a four three with double attack that could get elusive, and you've turned it into a five five that still has double attack. Cause even when you mini morph something and transform it, it keeps the stats and the keywords of the thing that attach to it. So it's a 5-5 five, five with double attack that can still be given overwhelm because you cannot target the thing. So this is this was my major point of frustration this week. Papercraft Fizz. Um, out of all of the decks that I've played against, this is the only one that made me say, fix this or I don't play the game. And it wasn't that bad. Like I'm still <laughs> playing uh, and still enjoying it. And there are and, and I've misplayed a couple of those games, like a couple of the games that I went up against. Mm-hmm. The deck that I've been playing the most of recently, I've continued to play robots. Uh, so I've still been playing. I don't even think it's on the metal list anymore. It's not. Um, I've still been playing a lot of uh, uh, Jace with Heimerdinger 
um, just because it brought Heimerdinger back into the meta, and I've been really enjoying that deck and actually have had some very good results with it. Um, overall, it's pretty good against aggressive stuff. There's a lot of aggressive stuff in the meta. It's pretty bad against Darkness uh, because Darkness just has the ability to infinitely create you know, point-and-click removal that's going to get rid of your Heimerdingers and your Jace, which is you really want to win with that Heimerdinger and your turrets, and, and Darkness can oftentimes take care of that. Um, it's pretty bad against, uh, I, you know what? It's okay against a lot of other stuff. I have not gone up uh, against Ken and Ari, uh, with it yet. Um, and, uh, and you know, there's some other decks in here that I'm seeing that I'm like, wow, I really want to try that. Like there's a, a Senna Caitlin deck and I'm like, yeah, I want to, I want to try that deck. Cause I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, but it's pretty good against aggressive decks. It's not really great against the combo of the Papercraft Fizz deck. And I went up against it and lost to it a couple times because of that. It does a pretty decent job against formidable decks uh, just because it does have a decent amount of removal. And so you can keep the life totals down on on stuff. But I, I've been really impressed by formidable. I've seen a lot of it played. I've been really impressed by it. It's just you're right. It's the shield, the shield spell, the shield of Durant or whatever. Um, that card's pretty bonkers at burst speed. Like, that card's yeah. really strong. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I mean, there are other things that at burst speed can give you defensive bumps. Now, weirdly, like, plus three isn't super common. Um, plus two is significantly no. more common. And uh, the ability for it to, you know, you barely survive one round, you know, with it. With, you know, guys survive a trade with the plus three. Goes to the next round and gets another buffer. Makes it so much harder for them to remove on the following turn as well. It's just, it's it's a lot of value for three mana. And I, and I think it's a really well-designed card too, because like, you know, it's not instant. Like they get five across two turns, but for the price of three, that's still really, really good. It's like stat distribution for at burst speed. So yeah, Shield of Grand is great. And I, I love that it doesn't give any attack. Like that's, that to me is just, it, it's, it's subtle but flavorful and i think that a card can be that powerful when it's purely focused to one thing uh and that being of course making sure that that your creature lives i think it's interesting you know you're talking about the uh attach mechanic and whatnot because i i think one thing that i did get wrong from last week um is uh is that i i agreed with you and that like even though i was like i think yumi is good but maybe not great like kind of overrated um because I think t attach as a core mechanic is maybe just a little clunky. Um, but I, I do think I agreed with you and that like, I think Yumi is probably the best of the, uh, of the attach uh, keywords. I think it's interesting that the double attack one, but that, that kind of makes sense in a way because there's so few ways to give out double attack, like very few ways. Mm -hmm. And this being one of them is, is as much of an indicator that maybe it's not so much the power of the attach keyword as the power of giving double attack. Um, you know, because it's so impossible to get. Yes. Yeah. It is really hard to get on virtually anything. And, and the ways that you can get it are almost all harder than this. Like mm -hmm. this is the easiest way to give paper crap or to give a uh, double attack probably in the game. And it also is the hardest to get rid of. Um, yeah. because even if you silence the target, I believe it still keeps double attack. Um, like, the only way and, to really get around it is frostbiting it. Yeah, and you know it's it's neat too, and that like um, 
the, from, from what it sounds like, that deck isn't really caring about the other attuned cards, or not attuned, attached cards, as like a core mechanic. Have another you know, one in it. A, right. It's just literally farming that one out, not for the stats, not for the mechanic, but for the keyword that it grants. Um, and and yeah. that's pretty telling to me. And and if I if I understood correctly, they're throwing it on elusive units, right? Not even. Um, they're just giving big bonuses and overwhelm. Um, so they're mm. using the blade shards to get overwhelm, um, and might uh, weapon hilt. Uh, you know, even ra- elixir of wrath, flame spitter, whatever. Mm. You throw all of that stuff on any unit. It gets double tack that almost you can't get rid of. So you get double tack and overwhelm, swing in with, yeah, you could do it on Fizz because you can protect Fizz pretty mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. But you can also put it on a, a house spider and get sure. lethal through because sure. you buff it up and you can't get rid of that double attack on it. And what I love about this deck is it also runs Ruined Reckoner because it gives you that midnight raid that allows yeah, you to attack that. with your with your double attack unit on your enemy's turn and it can catch them off guard. Like, they, oh, I didn't expect yeah. them to be able to get an attack this round because there's no, you know, no ability in the deck to to be able to rally, really. But Ruined Reckoner allows you, because you only have to get the attack through with the one guy. And then you mm-hmm. can buff him up with, you know, Might or Blade Fragments. There's so many ways. There's almost always a way that you're going to be able to give Overwhelm to your double attack unit. Um, so, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, really 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 that's an interesting situation though i mean not only uh, losing to it but it's definitely a deck that i'd like playing you know yeah but i think i think uh we can all agree and i think the community would all agree that uh predictably uh nar has dominated oh oh absolutely nar's been incredible (laughs) yeah gibby gibby you're you're up first tell us about nar and your experience with with nar he's crazy Uh, yeah, the recurring uh, transformation, it's also not hard to do. I mean, we've, we've talked about ma- not making, having car- having uh, champion designs or even just card designs not be so narrow where they can get tunneled into one one way of playing. Uh, damage to your face um, is pretty common. To your opponent's face is pretty common. A lot of regions like to do that. So on, especially when they attack. Yeah, and that's how you, that's how you win. So NAR <laughs> is applicable amongst a wide amount of cards which is really cool um i think that's a smart design i think they're maybe learning a little bit of a lesson but it's it's not hard to trigger it in the the payoff of triggering that on four or even five and the fact that it happens for a couple turns i mean there is a downside because it goes back but they've even printed a three cost card that you almost uh, undoubtedly anytime you're going to run nar that three cost uh unit that says anytime i transfer something i heal it to full that's that's undoubtedly a card you run in almost any deck that has nar unless it's a super aggressive list and it had to be cut but it's the fact that it gets overwhelmed it's still got the quick attack it's those are two very that's a potent combination of keywords is quick attack and overwhelm and it's got a high attack stat for the mid game it's uh i understand why it's why it's taking over it synergizes well with just very aggressive decks a lot of stuff that's easy to poke in damage. I mean, you've got what a puff cap that that can do that. You've got uh, poison darts that you can do that with. You've got any of the crimson package, ballistic bot with stuff. Yeah, ballistic mm-hmm. bots. I've I've thought about oh, running it with it that. You could you could run for you. 
you can it gets a pokey stick that it creates for you that you can just target to face and it draws you a card you can run a make you can run make it rains or double ups or anything uh it's there's a wide range of stuff that enables gnar one of my so favorite things is the inventive chemist because when it summons summons a scrappy bomb and literally that scrappy bomb on curve goes out off on three on four when you would drop your gnar in levels your gnar and I, so i've been playing it with inventive chemist you know yep yeah it's 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 almost an auto include and i was i was really curious why people were adding that at at, at first like i saw a couple decks that had it in there and i was like that doesn't really seem so Strong, so synergistic yeah. and then i thought about it and i was like oh that's perfect it's an unintended consequence but it's perfect they they designed in inventive chemist never with the idea probably that nar was coming down the line and it was going to be a synergy but there it is it, it if you can draw them both you're happy as a camper yeah that's really good and what i did not realize about nar when i read him the first couple of times was granting um the granting thing was i did not expect the granting vulnerable i didn't expect um, for some reason, I just assumed it was vulnerable until the end of turn. Um, granting vulnerable is really strong because it's granted. Like, it's permanently the thing is weak. I could take it now or I could kill it later. Like, uh, really quite, really quite good. So, yeah, I mean, no surprise that Nar is strong. Nar's in most of the top lists, right? He's he's in the Yertle in Arms. He's in the Formidable. He's, you know, he's just like if you're going to if you're going to put in uh, Bandlewood or Freljord right now, like you probably, I like I was running him this week in a uh, and just Nar Trundle list, just because like four or five Nar Trundle is really silly strong, like, and then you can make something vulnerable attack with a quick attack Nar, and swing in with your Trundle to pull that thing in and then regen his health. Like Nar Trundle was really good. Nar's just good, like he's just really, 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 really a good card. Is he good enough, DBN, your thought, is he good enough that we're going to see him get, you know, hacked apart some, do we think? Is he that good? Uh, I, I think he is. I, I can't, I couldn't begin to predict when they will nerf him because they don't have a track record of um, tuning things recently after being released, even sometimes when they should. It's really inconsistent. There's been times when they'll, take something right away and, and nerf it. And then times where they'll let something drag out for three months, like, like blade dance with, uh, without, you know, taking measures. So, uh, you never know if they'll do it, but I think it is strong enough to warrant it. And I, I think, you know what I, I really think is that it probably shouldn't have quick attack, uh, is, is the reality. I think if I was going to do anything, I would maybe give it one more defense, but axe the quick attack. Um, leaving it such that if you want that pokey stick, you're going to have to actually put the thing at risk or find an alternate way of protecting it. Maybe even don't, maybe even don't have the quick attack or add the defense. Maybe just everything as is, but take the quick attack off of basic NAR. Like maybe maybe Meganar still gets still gets quick attack, but basic NAR level one little little tiny man. Uh, make it such that he really feels weak because right now he's this cute little dude and he's a four mana four through with quick attack. Like it doesn't feel like he's little. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't... Have the nexus strike to get the pokey stick. Like, right. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. I, I think that, I think that you could leave everything the same 
and take the quick attack off his level one. Heck, if you really want to make it more flavorful, maybe bump his, his his stats down just a little bit more to make it feel more like he's little little helpless weak guy that then upgrades to a big scary, you know, Jekyll and Hyde monster, right? But the point is, a quick attack at at level one Nar is just too much, and I I think that would be the cleanest way to do something about it without disrupting the flavor and the impact when you upgrade it. Because I think granting something vulnerable is really cool. I love the vulnerable mechanic. Yeah. Um, I love it because, you know, back row champs are so annoying to deal with. But him actually uh, granting it to the strongest um, thing uh, weirdly addresses, like, a lot of, like, go-tall strategies, which otherwise can very rarely be interacted with outside of hard <laughs> removal. So in a creature-based deck, you being able to, like, deal with a tall strategy... Um, you know, without having to run something like a uh, uh, vengeance or or mini morph is actually really cool. Um, so I I think Nar is. I think Nar deserves a nerf, but I think the nerf does not have to diminish what he's good at. It just makes him a little harder to actually level. That would fall in line with how ninety percent of champs are hard to level, and that's how it should be. Now, I know that he, like, D-levels and whatnot, but dealing one damage to the enemy face is not hard. You really don't need to make it that much easier for him to generate arguably the best spell in the game. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little bonkers right now, and th- there's a reason why you're seeing so many variations of top decks, you know, no matter where you look, you know, whether it's Yordles and Arms, Burn with, uh, was it uh, Ziggs? You know, you, you, you've got Trundle Timelines, which I know a lot of people have been getting annoyed about. Akshan Nar, Swain Nar, like... Fizz Nar, Galio Nar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's everywhere. And there's and the reason it's everywhere, it's not, that those, arch- it's not that those archetypes were, were that viable before. It's how good Nar is, is making those archetypes more viable. Now, can I, can I just say this? I don't want Nar nerfed. I know I, this <laughs> might be unpopular, but let me just let me just give you why. This is this is I want this to be how we design stuff. I I love that in Mobilytics there are four different Nardex. I love it. Here's why: because I don't I don't want Azir Aurelia again. I don't want something that warps the meta in that way. And there's only one deck with those champions in it. And it's those two paired together. I don't like the fact that one of the decks in here is Darkness and Vigar goes nowhere else, right? The Vi- Vigar isn't good enough champion on his own to fit anywhere else. He has to go with with Senna. Uh, you know, I, I I just don't like that. I like the fact that we've gotten some champions in Pantheon. Um, my opinion, I think Galio fits that a little bit as well. Nar certainly fits that in spades. Udyr. Maybe Nar's a lower tuned. Um, what was that? Udir is a somewhat, you know good stuff champion i mean he has his he has his package but it doesn't cleanly go with anything else out there yeah i think like Akshan, a bad stuff champion i agree he's just bad stuff, yeah sure. yep uh Akshan honestly is fairly flexible sure um, i just that like that i like the fact Me that too. we got him and he isn't shoehorned into something and only good in that place there's lots of, of flexibility sure he'll come down as probably best in one deck and it'll probably be with poppy but either way i like i like it no, you're, you're, I don't know what you're totally you're totally on the right track. I, I couldn't agree with you more in that. I think NAR is a is a strong direction to be as, as like a to take inspiration of for future champions. It is flavorful. It harkens to its um, 
you know, LOL, you know, background and you feel like you're playing this this character that upgrades to this big, huge guy and then morphs back. Like you feel that when you play the card. But from a mechanics perspective, it isn't shoehorned into a single archetype like we've seen so many times before where the deck is pre-built. Cards let you know, champions like Nar and Twisted Fate, Sivir and Akshan, you know, um, and, and not necessarily together, you know, but individually they've been played in multiple different, you know, formats. Trundle, even though he annoys the crap out of me, um, I, I think that there are examples of great champions out there that are not pre built decks like Deep or like Lurk. Or like you know, uh, even even Nightfall at times felt that way, right? Nightfall but especially things, especially things like with um, what is it? Uh, the one that Gibby used to be really good at and play all the time. Um, uh, which one? Deep. You know what I'm talking about? The one that pre-builds itself that I'm blanking on right now. TK Soraka. That's it. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Get, get, for the record, I think Gibby is one of the best TK Soraka players I've I've seen. Uh, it's gross in Gibby's hands. Uh and I don't oh, and I can't figure out why either. But anytime <laughs> anytime I anytime I pilot it and half the time I see other people pilot it, it just doesn't work and then Gibby plays it and he wins with it. It's weird. Uh but yeah, no, those decks that pre-build themselves, you know? And and you look at it and you're like, I totally agree. Nar is a great example of a powerful champion that isn't shoehorned and I would love to see more of that. However, yeah. He probably does deserve a nerf. <laughs> he, he's probably like, gonna he get could one. be he he can be nerfed without uh <laughs> without never designing something like him. Keep designing Nars, just maybe you know, tune him down a little bit. <laughs> I was thinking about what you said, uh, DBN, and I I do think that exactly what you suggested would be cool. Would just just take away the the quick attack on level one. There's a risk reward of playing him. You have to attack to get the pokey stick. But he doesn't have the safety of the of the. He's got an aggressive stat line, and he doesn't have the safety net of the the quick attack on him mm-hmm. at level one. But you'd get it as the reward, or you have to find another way to do damage yeah. and not attack with him at level one. I think that's a really uh, balanced way to slow him down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it would. But I to Mark's point, I still think he would be relevant he would be seen there would are we would be plenty of decks that would be within the top however echelon that that play him in a variety of different manners but not so much where it's oppressive and it's just one shoehorned way in i think that would be a really good answer yeah but this mm-hmm. type of oppression just to be clear for the if there's anyone from the lor team that listens to this podcast we're like the only one left like not anymore one other, don't. um yeah, uh, you say we're not anymore the only one left, is that what you said? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying they don't listen to us anymore, I bet. No, probably not. But if you listen to us, let me just say this. This is the type of oppression that I want. Like, like uh, we, <laughs> heard, it here it. For, heard it here yeah. first. Mark is okay like with oppression. Mark supports yeah, this is it. oppression. <laughs> this is it. I don't want Ari Ezreal oppression. I don't, I'm sorry, uh, Kenan Ezreal oppression. I don't want Azir Aurelia oppression. Like yeah. that type of oppression, the non-interactive doesn't feel like I can do anything. Non-board centric, that is not fun. It's nope. not fun. That mm-hmm. is a bad form of oppression. Mm-hmm. This Nar is a. I still like. I would rather go up against Nar today than nerfed as Aurelia today. There is <laughs> like, such a. Still. I think you're right. There is such a thing as a unbalanced meta that is healthy. Like a meta that has a clear favorite that is healthy. 
right? And that is a meta in which playing the game against the best deck uh, still encourages decision points and interaction. And outs. Yeah. Yeah. And and where you can outplay an opponent who is playing an overtuned deck that because of the way the deck plays still, you know, enables, you know, counterplay that is dynamic. And I think that like the best example I have of like a meta in which we've had and, and that where that was the case was, you know, way back with the mid range meta of um, was it Sejuani and Ash with Noxus uh, yeah. utilizing the uh, the the five power, you know, like with um, what was that? Uh, the big six called reckoning, like reckoning, the reckoning yep. decks there. Like that was the most powerful deck in the format. Uh, but because it like engaged with the board because it was trying to, you know, win through attacking and not just through, you know, wiping everything the opponent out had until they couldn't do anything. Um, you know, it, it, it was an environment where it, there was a, that mental challenge. You go up against, you know, Ash Sejuani and you've built your deck to try to handle it. And you actually get to see if that pays off or not. You know, you actually, you know, get to engage in the creature-based combat and see, okay, can I get around their freezes? Have I, you know, am I able to predict when they're going to reckoning so I can buff my things out of range of it? Like, that counterplay was, that counterplay felt... Healthy. Meaningful, yeah, and healthy. So I, I think that you're right. Like, uh, I, I personally have not found myself disgusted by NAR in the same way that I've been disgusted by... You know, like you said, Canon and Ezreal, especially in recent history, and before that, Blade Dance. You know, those oh, there's yeah. just a lot of bad ways to lose in LOR, which has been part of my complaint about it over the last year, is that there's too many ways to lose that just feel terrible. And I like that the strong things that have come out in this set don't feel terrible to lose against, at least not oh, yeah, yet. I agree. <laughs> at least not yet. Well, I tell you what, let's wrap up this section of the conversation and we're going to move on to a new segment um, just because for, for time's sake. So let's go ahead and jump over to the next segment. Mark's Cosmetic, a closet. No more holding back! Hey guys, in Mark's Cosmetic Closet, we reviewed new cosmetics and there are a lot of them this run. The first thing that we have is a new event pass. Ten bucks, we'll buy it for you. You'll get some epic cards, some rare cards. You will get a prismatic Hecarim if you purchase it. You will also get, I think, four card backs. You'll get four new emotes. You'll get four new guardians, three new icons, uh, all of which are in the theme of Arcadia. Um, you'll also get a at least one. You'll get one prismatic, not prismatic. Yeah, well, a couple of prismatic rewards. One of them will be epic. Uh, I think two rares yep you'll get some cards as well two rare prismatic chests but the reason that they did that is because they gave us two prismatic champions so at the top end before we got more prismatic chests uh epics now you'll get two prismatic champions hecker early on yumi at the end and then in addition to that if you finish it all out you get the very first time a skin um the vigar skin the final boss vigar skin Guys, I mean, I don't know that we have to talk about this for long, but I mean, if you like the aesthetic, 
if or even if you don't like the aesthetic, I mean, if you've ever found an event pass to be worth your money before, this one is more worth your money, right? Uh, so I think this is, I've said this before, um, and this is a good thing that I've said this before. This is might be the best event pass that they've come out with. And they're making they're making meaningful changes like giving you skins, which we've been calling for for a long time as a part of an event pass. Yep. They're giving the people things that they actually want to receive for their money, which is skins, which is level up animations, which is, and I'm hoping to see more of that. I mean, just one kind of pseudo one in an event past is is a good entry entry point, and hopefully they get a lot of positive feedback from doing that. But the theme around this is just hits the nail right on the head for just being awesome and flavorful and. I, I think now when I evaluate how good an event pass is, I think, okay, six months down the road, after this event pass has come and gone, how likely am I am I to use the emotes in my six emotes when I'm playing a game? Huh. Am I, when, I, when I'm building my emotes, how likely am I to use that badge icon? How likely am I to use the level up animation or the board that comes with it or any card backs? Like, what is the longevity of the event pass? Because I've spent money on event pass in the, event passes in the past and I haven't half the stuff I don't touch anymore because it's come something else has come out that's new that's better and I don't necessarily like it and who knows what what how I'll feel about this event pass afterwards like long time down the road but I think the flavor is so on point that I can see myself using a lot of this stuff for the future so I am very impressed with this event pass yeah, Ian, I don't know. Uh, is an event pass? I mean, you own the arcade board. Is this one that you think you I might do. invest in? Um, no, I don't think I'm going to buy this. Uh, and it just simply comes down to uh, I don't know if I will play enough to max it out. I definitely won't want to grind it. That's kind of my issue with event passes is like I don't want to always want to grind them out. And I have to usually play a certain way to grind them out. And that's the last thing I want to do when I log on to LOR is be told how I need to play. Now, granted, there's plenty of situations. I'm not judging the people that like that. I have liked that in the past, but that's just not where I'm at with it now. Um, I will say though, I, I agree. I think this is the best event pass they've ever done. And looking through it, like I think you really are. If cosmetics are your thing, you're getting your money's worth. You really are. I mean, you're getting multiple prismatic champions. You're getting prismatic chests, a lot of, you know, wild cards, you know, rares and, and epics that are, you know, going to either turn into crafting materials or, you know, fill in those slots in your collections. You're getting a lot out of this. And I happen to think that the uh, the card backs and the little um, guardians are really, really cool and cute. And, uh, of course, final boss Vagar is dope it's really awesome yes so, he is I, I i think this was a really big step for them in terms of making their event passes feel really thematic special and worth the money but to be fair if you're willing to grind it out it's worth it like if you're not willing to grind it out don't do it but if you're willing to grind it out just the prismatic hecarim and the prismatic uh like i don't even know how much that would cost you but it it's not a small amount like if if you were to just uh, upgrade I'm I'm just going in and just looking at like okay I don't have Timo like 600 gold like that just those two alone would be 1200 gold and this is like 970 something just the two prismatics not including a skin which I think at the very least I'm not even sure how much this one is 
Um, but I think at the very least is another what seven fifty. Like if you grind yeah. it out, you are getting without looking at any of the other cosmetics, just in ones that you know. Every time I play Hecarim, every time I play Yumi, and every time I play Vigar, I'm probably like I'll have prismatic versions and I'll have this. If that matters at all to you, just in that you double the value of what you spent on the event pass. So, yeah, the value is there. Throw everything else out. Throw all the other cards, all the other prismatics. All the other guardians, all the other everything out, you know, hey, it's worth it. The, the other thing that we got, though, is the new skins. So we got Arcade Misfortune with the new level up animation. Arcade Quinn, which just has a new animation for Valor coming out, a new Valor. Um, Arcade Hecarim, which does have uh, some new animations, uh, although not a new level up animation. And he also has the things he summons are super cool. Um, Ziggs. Uh, which I think his his like just like his skill is level is changed. Um, Nar, uh, who you know gives you a new skill uh, look uh, for Arcade Nar. Uh, bo ba Bottle Bass, oh, wow, Battle Boss Nocturne, who just has new art, looks super sick. And then Anivia, uh, which might be the biggest change up. It's a very Star Fox esque theme with a new level up animation uh and everything and so that's a full full skin um any of these skins that get you guys you know excited or you really like you thinking about picking up or any of these just like you know which which is the best one in your opinion go ahead Debian. uh yeah so i think that there's some really interesting stuff here um i will say that the stuff that i'm seeing is where i'm starting to depart from the League of Legends vision for how skins work because in League of Legends skins can sometimes so radically change the appearance of the character that you can no longer identify what that character is or was um, yeah, yeah that's true and that uh, does not appeal to me I like to be able to like at a glance know what it, what it is and what it was um, and even if it's flavored differently I really need things to be close enough to tell that's where the two like epic skins are misses for me especially anivia um because i look at the anivia thing and there, nothing about it makes me think that it is anivia and a lot of times i get that if you look closely enough there's a little anivia in the cockpit a little ice dragon in the cockpit but like you can you can't even tell in the leveled up uh you know art you just see a ship right and to me, uh, I, although I do like the little escape pod uh, as the egg, I think that's kind of cute. Uh, overall, yeah, I mean, too. I, that it, it it's not enough to make me want to buy it because I feel like I won't be playing an Ivy. I'll be playing something else. Same to a less degree with Misfortune. I think the level up animation of Misfortune is pretty cool. It's fun, but she's got pink hair instead of red hair, and she's it's just I, I I don't know. I I look at it and I at first I didn't realize what i was looking at it when i first saw the animation i didn't like, know it was which character which female character is this exactly sure right is <laughs> this this is ari is this yeah like i don't know <clears throat> kind of hard to tell um but i think where they've done a really good job is in the like uh lower end skins right um i think that arcade hecarim is incredible you absolutely can still tell it's hecarim right mm -hmm. Um, I like that uh, it's kind of got that like Tron style or or maybe even like Sonic the Hedgehog, like racing idea with him being a horse. Like I looked at that, I instantly was like, oh, that's Hecarim. 
Like I knew that, right? But it's a very different vibe, right? Similar, uh, I really like Nocturne, like you called out. Vagar is great. Totally love the Vagar one. Because <coughs> he was already silly. Um, And, you know, Gnar is probably my favorite. At the end of it, I do like giant, you know, King Kong Gnar uh, on the leveled up animation climbing the building. Uh, so I think if I was going to get any of these, um, I would probably say it would be either the Gnar or, um, oh, you know what? Probably Nocturne. I think Nocturne's just looks really, really cool. So. Well, I, I'm in a similar spot. Oh, Gibby, go ahead. Oh, yeah. well, Mark, whoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I liked, I mean, I'm with you. I like the, I like the Gnar one a lot. I, I think that's very kind of fun and upbeat. I actually did like the the misfortune uh, level up. I thought it was uh, pretty cool, even though it does kind of lose the idea that it's misfortune with it not being so piratey and her blasters almost just seeming kind of like tracer Overwatch kind of guns, just kind of like little pistol wise. Uh, you kind of do lose a little bit that it is her, but I I thought the skins were really really cool. Um, I would probably pick up for the price. I would probably pick up Nar. Uh, Ziggs is also kind of got. I'm trying to think about like who I would be most likely to want to replace a level up animation or who I'd want to replace a skin with. And it's probably those two. I'd want to be, I'd want to get the use out of them at this point, not playing Nocturne, not playing Vagar, not playing Quinn, but I could see doing Gnar, Ziggs or Hecarim and being happy and equipping that and making decks that I was satisfied with and playing that. And that would be bigger to me than I think really anything else. So, so yeah, those would be my three. Gibby, did we ask you, are you going to get the event pass? You didn't ask me. I'm uh, sorry. I'm offended. I know. Uh, I'm, totally offended. I'm literally the worst. Yeah. It, this is this is one of those ones where I said that I was, it depends on how far I get in the event pass, whether I would get it. And what? There's 23 days remaining right now as at the time of this us recording this, and I am not very far in it. It, it just depends on how far I think I get. I mean... If I get at least probably to where the papercraft dragons are at 150, then I think I'll probably pick it up. But if I don't get there, then I'm gonna say, okay, I'm I'm not even halfway. It's probably not worth me doing it. Sure, sure. Well, I did get it uh, because I am a sucker for grinding things, and I love to grind things. And so I got it. I'm gonna. I'm almost 70 in. So I'm almost to you know the first platinum chest. I've picked up my hecarim prismatic and stuff and when i look at the skins uh i'll be honest like i like them all uh maybe nar's my least favorite just because i don't like his little space suit uh that he's in in pre-leveled up form it's it's too tight around the crotch for me you know um i like his <laughs> leveled up form a lot though um uh i think anivia is really funny and creative i love the Star Fox vibe granted at first i was like this is literally a, a, a fighter jet. What is this? What am I even looking at right now? Who is this? So I totally get what DBN says, uh, is saying about that. But I did really like, um, I don't know, I, I really like the Star Fox thing. Like, the the nod to Star Fox is really cool. Uh, my favorite two, though, Nocturne and Hecarim. Um, I think the Nocturne looks amazing. Uh, I think he looks so much cooler than even in his regular form. And I love Nocturne in his regular form. I love the pink that it went with. And I love how the pink actually matches with Hecarim's hair. And I think Hecarim looks really cool. So I've honestly been thinking about picking up Hecarim Nocturne and trying to make them work together and go play them on ladders like an aggressive 
Shadow Isles, uh, you know, Fearsome and Ephemerals deck. Um, simply because I really do like those two skins. Probably two of my favorite skins they put out. I don't mind MF. Um, there is definitely versions of MF that I probably would rather from like other aesthetics. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I think there's, I don't know, maybe there's probably a couple of other aesthetics that we've seen so far, certainly like the ruined or sentinel stuff that I think MF could have been cooler in that would have kept a little bit more of her theme. Even like a cosmic MF might've been pretty cool. Um, but I do like the nod to like the duck hunter guns. Cause she's using like duck hunter Nintendo guns. Uh, and I think that's really cool. Um, so yeah. Yeah. My thought is uh, get, get the pass. If you like, if you like, event passes if you like grinding stuff if you like cosmetics if you've bought the event passes in the past and enjoyed getting them and you're glad that you got them this one is even more worth it than any one that you have gotten in the past in terms of you know the level of your rewards for sure um and get that final boss vigar skin you're not going to get it any other way so it's a uh, it's a good opportunity why don't we close out this episode uh by jumping into our last segment with a bit of a top 3 list Huh. Didn't see that coming. Okay, guys. Uh, in the last segment, we decided that we're going to go through the newest set and each give our uh, what we think is the best card, the worst card, and the biggest sleeper. Um, we're going to try to do it relatively quickly without too much of analysis. Guys, is it safe to be able to, to cut Nar out because he's the best card all around. Like, can we cut yeah. Nar out? Yeah. I'd, Nar doesn't count. I'd say we cut champions, honestly. Okay, let's cut champions because that gets Nar and Udir out, which were two of my answers. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Gibby, why don't we go to you? If you feel comfortable, why don't we go to you first? And whichever one you decide to start with, either uh, either worst or best, will will follow suit. Uh, tell us what either is your, your you think is the worst or the best champion in this set of... Or, card in this set not champion in this set of cards i'm gonna go with best first okay and i don't know i think this is this might be a popular opinion here within this set but i think this accompanies the idea that it's not hard to flip some of the and it's flexible enough where you can flip a lot of the whole damage I transform into something things. And as long as Gnar is somewhat viable, this keeps him immediately viable. My card is going to be Teeny Dactyl um, mm -hmm. that I'm going to pick for best. I think it is a, it's a well-statted card and it gets a, quite a big buff upon going up so it's a four cost four three that says round end if you've damaged the enemy nexus transform me into pterodactyl terror dactyl which becomes goes from a four three to a six five with impact and it says round start deal one to the enemy nexus so it, it automatically fills nar's requirement at the beginning of the turn regardless whether it lives through the end of the turn or not it's got impact it's aggressively statted it's a it's a really good card especially for the decks that are playing aggressive and for all of the other transform transform uh, decks, it's it's an immediate include for me on a lot of uh, these transform decks. Even if it's Nara's not in there, and you want to play transformy stuff, I think it's really good. I think you could, if there was like a let's say a gangplank, an MF gangplank deck in here that wanted to do some burn, 
I think you could add that in here too if you were running it with, let's say, if you were splashing uh, Bandle City. I think you could, I think this applies to a lot of areas. It's just everything that an aggressive deck wants in a mid-range unit. Mm. And it's an ideal target for throwing a an overwhelm on or throwing an extra buff on its attack stat too if it goes unblocked. Um, it's It's really, really good. So Teeny Dactyl is my pick for, uh, I think, best yes. card in here. Yeah. DBN, how about you? What's the best non-champion card in your opinion? Sure, yeah. Uh, I think it's a pretty... Um, <clears throat> it's a card that I think is going to be around for a long time. And I'm picking it as the best, obviously excluding like champions and, and whatnot, like we talked about, uh, because I don't think it's ever going to get nerfed. At least it would take a lot, I think, for it to get nerfed, and yet I think it will be it will dominate for a long time uh, if it doesn't, and that's uh, going to be the Petrosite Broadwing. Um, I think that card it's already making waves as a sort of major uh, contributor to scouts returning to the meta, um, and let's be honest, um, scouts always have been around. Uh, and the last thing they needed was another challenger to curve on top of Fleet Feather Tracker, right? Um, but now you're looking at a uh, a challenger unit that effectively is a two mana three three. That yeah. with its formidable, like that's just going to be really really good uh, in conjunction with things like Sharp Sight and Rangers uh, Resolve. You're going to be able to buff it so that you can make sure that you get you know some of its stats, attack stats back. Obviously, Genevieve can do similar things as well. Um, and, and you know, it can also then just, you, you can use it. If it goes down to one, okay, it's still a 1-1 one, one challenger. You can still pull something out of the way, right? Like, like it, it's a really, really, really strong card at two in general. Um, and Demacia has all, like, like, you don't need to play it in Formidable. It can just go in anything Demacia that's up-tempo. Um, it, it's very, very powerful. Um I think it's going to be making appearances in Demacia for a long time. You know, that was my pick. Uh, that was, nice. uh, yeah, that was my pick. So I'll, I'll choose another one. There's so many cards in here that I'm unsure if they're the best or if they're sleepers. <laughs> it's like, have they been discovered yet? Really? I don't, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, I'm going to go with Volpine Wanderer, though. Um, I think that Volpine, um, there has needed to be redundancy in the true drop slot for Freljord for a while. This is a two mana two two that generates value. You now have two different two mana two drop like two drops, not two mana two twos, but two mana cards uh, that generate value in the form of uh, the lookout, which is a two one that draws you a card when it dies, and now this two two that puts the, the stance swap in your hand. Um, the fact that you don't have to choose which version of stance swap whenever you generate it is very meaningful because it just allows you to drop this three drop, you know, spell in your hand that you can, it's very versatile later in the game, right? If you just want to buff something up, if you want to grab overwhelm, you want to grab regen, you want to clear some stuff on the board, you can do all of those things with this. Um, so I think that Vault Pine Wanderer is probably one of, if not, the best early game cards that we're seeing in this particular set of cards. Gibby, I got to send it back to you. What is the worst card, non-champion card in this set, in your opinion? That's really, really hard, I think, to... I mean, there's there's a lot in here that I don't think that I've touched just because I haven't like gotten that far. 
yeah through like really kind of digging through all of the cards i mean i i start looking through a lot of the sets here and saying like what is a card that i'm never gonna touch and i i think it's petrocyte stag I, I don't know. And it, it, it might not be, I would maybe need to do a little bit of a deeper dive in here, but like I I'm looking at it, this petrocyte stag. <laughs> so it's a four cost three, five. That's a support. I take all damage for my supported ally this round. And I just look at that. And I'm like, what situation am I spending for, for cost where it might not even live through the yep. trade that I can't manipulate that's the one anyway and if it if it if it dies because the support would have to go to the right of this unit in order for their a unit for this unit to support but if somebody trades into this with a low attack stat and five at, at, at four cost it's it's very easy to trick up to five damage or something to already be at five damage and then block it the petrocyte stag dies and it had no ability it's basically a four mana three five flat if it if it can't trick a trade or if you don't have some way to give it something meaningful, which means you're spending more than four mana, which means it's not even worth its cost in the first place. So I think Petrocyte Stag is probably my card for I like the idea. I love support cards. It's in its heart's in the right place in des, in the design space. It's just it needed this little something different in order to like here's a card you could put quick attack on that would like try to help yep. it survive. Like it needs some way to give itself something or even shoot, even just give it um give it formidable. Like that would have done it yep. too. Like it, you could have done you could have done a lot with this card and it would have been fun. Yep. Um but the fact that it's bland <clears throat> textually outside of and no way to protect itself, it's just not good. Or region. You know, to to incentivize you dropping a bunch of buffs on it. Like that, that I would have made this card of three cost three four with regen. That I would have played. Yeah, maybe. I think the five is a bit too much for a regen. Ah, unit on give it four. regen. So in <laughs> a, a really unit based uh, fa faction such as Demacia, I mean, they don't have any region units outside of Garen that I know of. That would have been cool to have for them to have another one. Maybe it would have incentivized a little bit more Garen play. Uh, I region would have been cool. I just would have I would have bumped one defense down. Mm -hmm. Or or made it a two five. How about that? Sure, why not? <laughs> okay, but DBN. DBN, what's your worst card? Yeah, so um <clears throat> I'm going to uh say that the worst card that's not Petrocyte Stag, because I don't know if that's the worst card, but that I was considering that one. I'm gonna say the worst card is Prowling Projectile. Prowling Projectile is, uh, yeah, in my opinion, the worst card in this set. And now that I'm looking at it, I'm even more confident that it's worse than uh, Petrocyte Stag. Because this card can't hit face, and Pokestick can. And no, there's no world <clears throat> in which this card will ever enter a deck uh, that Pokestick isn't already... In and, and 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 quite frankly, there's, there's a million things, a million and one things better than Prowling Projectile. Now, I'm aware that it's Yumi's card. Okay, so you might still see it in play if somebody has two Yumi's. But the reality is, this deck, this is a card that can be main deckable, and two mana, fast speed, 
deal one to a unit, grants an ally plus one attack. It's just eclipsed by like a billion things. This card is just <laughs> bad. Not because, you know, it's not great by itself, but if this card had been in the game at the, in set one, maybe it gets played. But we're like two years in with like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cards at our disposal, and this will never be main decked. I mean, it. I was like, oh, this isn't, this, really, you think this is so bad? And then when you mentioned Pokestick, and it was like sitting next to Pokestick in my inventory, I'm like, oh. Oh, oh well, yeah, I mean, okay. It, like if, by oh, comparison, bad. like so bad. If this could hit face, I wouldn't. I, I if this could hit face, it still isn't probably good enough. But it can't hit face. It can only hit units. It's just, it's just not great, man. You can't yeah. even level Nar with it. You can't, you know. Uh, so great. Bye. Yep. Okay. Bye. Not good. Not yeah, good. bad. Uh, okay, my worst card in the set, I'm going to go into the old, very expensive, epic cost slot for, because you have to have at least one of those be the worst card in the set. Um, uh, Gorlith the Unscalable, the 9-mana 0-10, tough <laughs> and formidable. Uh, when I'm summoned, swap my health in your Nexus health. I can't be blocked by enemies with less health than me. In theory, right, there's all kinds of stuff. You're like, oh, man, maybe this could do this or that, and Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a something that you could do to to make use of this, but probably not. Um, this deck is a this card is a win more card. Uh, if you are winning, like like you lose. I don't know. It's just bad. It's a really bad card. Um, it's like a nine mana. Maybe heal your nexus some if you're losing, but then you're still gonna lose because then you've played this thing for nine mana and you've summoned like a zero two or a zero three in order to heal your nexus some. There's better ways to do it. Um, if you're playing this in the end of the game and you're willing to sack 10 of your health to make this thing a 120 or 0-20 with Formidable, um, you've already won the game. Why the heck are you playing this on 9? This dies to so many spells, bounces. It's just bad. It's just a really bad card. Um, this is my least favorite card of the set. Uh, Gorlith the Unscalable. Other uh, DBN laughed at me, so maybe he's running this. Uh this is probably like no 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 it's it's so meme i mean yeah you're right i i agree with you Uh, i don't i mean you had the unfortunate position of having to follow two cards that are undeniably worse than gorlith even though gorlith is bad uh yeah but (laughs) you know so i get but darn it did you find a bad one too i get that you were digging deep in the pockets looking for a bad card because let's be honest this set doesn't have a lot of strictly garbage cards. I actually thought that most cards are, in theory, playable. They may not be because great. Spirit Unleashed. Spirits Unleashed is also really trash. That's the five-mana Udyr spell that gives plus yeah. one, plus one to everything and deal one damage. It's very bad. It's very, very bad. But Pretty I didn't bad. want to choose another champion spell as well because you had just chosen Yumi's champion spell. So It's true. Gorlith is is my choice. Th- th- nice. I think the next one, the last one, is the most interesting, though, and that's the Agreed. sleeper pick for the set so Gibby tell us what is your sleeper pick this is a card that I will be testing with more I think if the meta slows down a little bit this will be a very prominent card in early game uh, or in mid game mid range decks that help early game solidify uh, getting to that mid game and then starting to execute a game plan because it's flexible we've talked about this a lot on the we talked about it a lot on the episode that I was on two episodes ago when we were first going over these cards 
I think just because things are so aggressive right now and there's a lot of Nardex out there and this just doesn't fit really within that game plan too much. Uh, as things slow down and we kind of return more to some mid-range, I think Blast Code Seedling will be uh, a pretty good, pretty pretty strong card that will, will make its way up the ranks. The two cost 2-2 two, two that you can choose to give Barrier or Impact. You can use it in an aggressive deck or you can start playing around it uh, playing around with it uh, on a defensive turn on two. I mean, you can aggress. You can go aggressive on this one too, and attack something. And do they do they want to lose two health and block a barrier? They probably don't have mana, or if or you soaked you just soaked up some damage with uh, a spell that they had to use in order to get rid of the barrier to then trade with it, and they still probably lost their unit. It's I think the barrier side of things will probably be used more than anything else than the impact, but. Um, it both are relevant. They're both relevant keywords. I just think this is a really strong and flexible card for both of the uh, both Bandle City and for Ionia because it is a multi-region card. So I see this making making its presence known uh, in the coming months. So in the artwork of this, it's literally stiff arming an owl cat and mm -hmm. running with an explosive pine cone. And it reminds me of the orc from Lord of the Rings that charges into Helm's Deep and blows up yes. the walls so much. Yes. So much. Might be my favorite part about it. It's Might just, be inspiration. Yeah, it's just yeah. all determined and like charging in to explode something. I think that's super fun. Uh, DBN, what's your sleeper? Don't pick uh, mine, bro. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's see if I can uh, divine yours here. Mm. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, I'm going mm -hmm. to pick... Uh, for the sleeper, Tusk Speaker. Tusk Speaker uh, is my sleeper pick. Uh, this is a two mana, three, two Frail Yord unit. It has Overwhelm and it has Play. Deal one to all Nexuses. I haven't seen this be played and it doesn't seem to be appearing in any of the meta decks that I'm looking at. Um, so I'm feeling like I'm safe calling it a, a sleeper pick. Um, this card's really good for aggressive strategies. The thing holding it back right now is that it's in Freljord and it's not in Bandle City or Noxus, right? If yeah. this card was in Bandle City or Noxus, uh, everybody would be raging about it because the ability as an aggressive card to have a 3-2 stat line and Overwhelm and immediately come in and tap the Nexus, triggering everything from, you know, plunder to leveling, you know, Gnar to just just driving damage. Um, yeah, that's really good. Uh, so in a world in which, you know, Bandle City gets pulled into check for aggro and Noxus starts looking for another friend, which, by the way, we've seen that pairing before. Uh, of Noxus and Freljord aggro. And there are Freljord tools that pair well in with aggro. Um, you know, Ruthless Raider is another two drop with Overwhelm that is resistant to things like Vile Feast, which is a common uh, you know, aggro removal tool and Pokey Stick as well. Uh, th there's a lot of options out there. And I think Tusk Speaker checks the boxes as a very, very potent aggressive tool. They would never have the guts to print this in Noxus. Um, and uh, yet we have it here. And I think that a Frail Yord aggro deck could be on the horizons in you know, the next couple patches. Yeah, on the Mobilytics tier list, it only finds play in, I, I think, a single deck that runs uh, the Frail Yord combo. And it is the Nar Yumi deck. 
that's on there that's B tier. Um, but I think that it is a really good card. I've had it played against me only a few times, and every time it's been played, I've been like, dang, that card's good. Like, it's pretty good. Shoot, hold up. Two mana, three, two with overwhelm is enough. And yep. this thing pings my Nexus? Okay. Like, helps yeah, that's with, pretty good. Yeah, helps with uh, Sejuani as well. Well, if you played yeah. it potentially with, you know, Gangplank, hits that too. I mean, you're, yeah. The, oh, this, this, this has card... to be a shoe in for GP Sejuani, right? Right. And, mm -hmm. and which, by the way, yeah, sure. where did that go? And, and uh, when is that, and when is that coming back? Yeah, that's not gone. That card's that deck's coming that's back. That's what I'm saying. Back like hard. it's gonna come back with it a vengeance in like will. two weeks. And and you know, everybody's gonna go, Oh, right. The, the, these guys are our thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, that's and right. Then, this guy was at the top of the list and then we took him off for some reason. Right? Yeah, we just stopped playing him for a while, but nope, they're still there. And by the way, Tusk Speaker, uh that's strict upgrade. Just that's an upgrade. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it's just a really good card for that deck. And uh, that's the only deck I've ever gone to Diamond with, I think. And it's mm -hmm. going to be stronger now than what it was. There's no doubt. Okay, guys, let's close it out with my sleeper pick here. And I know that this might not be... I'm looking through the... the it's actually in a bunch of the decks in top tier, so maybe it's not as much of a sleeper pick. But it completely went under my radar. Like, I never saw it. I never read it. I did read it. as like, I, I didn't pick up on it. Um, but the sleeper pick for me that I think is the new Bandle City staple um, next to Pokey Stick is Friendship. Friendship, four mana burst, give an ally barrier or spell shield this round. This is the second burst speed spell shield, something that was only in Targon before. Now you could pick it up along with everything else that you could pick up in bc and not only that it's better because the target one gave plus one plus one you very rarely played that bastion for the plus one plus one you almost always played bastion simply because you wanted the spell shield now this is the way of saying like hey how about we take away the plus one plus one that you never cared about and we give you the ability to swing this flexibly to also defend your character from damage from an enemy so if you want to trick a trade with this you can, or if you have two of these suckers in your hand, where guess what? Two Bastions does you no good because you already have Spell Shield. Now, if you have two of these in hand, you can trick a trade by defending from a spell and giving Barrier on the same turn by swinging two of these things to protect yourself. I don't think it can go untalked about the fact that BC has a burst speed Spell Shield at the same cost and better than what we had in Target with Bastion. At this point, Bastion's got to go down to three mana again if we're going to leave this as, as it is. I think this card is bonkers. I think it's crazy. Uh, the first couple times it was played against me, I was like, what is this card? How did I, I was like, did they even announce this thing? Did this just slip through the crack like Pokey Stick did? They did announce it way back in the beginning. Uh, but I think this card's really, really strong. Friendship's my sleeper pick. Um, honorable mention to the sleeper pick, by the way, is a card I've been messing around with. Mini T that turns into Mega T. <laughs> Yeah, so much yeah, fun and actually really Love strong. That card. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I, I really uh, like it too. I, I think Mark, you're you're hitting on something here indirectly that I think we've talked about somewhat in the past, but I just want to, you know, really just now that the last you know set of of Bandle City has come out, really reinforce. Bandle City seems weirdly pushed as a faction, 
And it's a little confusing to look at the faction and see how <clears throat> it basically rips a lot of its identity from sampling every other faction. Okay, fine. But why is it doing it better? Like, you, you're looking at, you know, a better <clears throat> spell shield at burst speed than Targon, right? You've got a better, like, two-mana cantrip uh, than anything else now the Pale Cascade is gone and Pokey Stick, right? Its card draw engine is weirdly decent. It, it creates, you know, units better than any other faction. Uh, it can hit yep. face a little bit easier than a lot of factions with all the impact. It goes wide better than Demacia. Like it's got buffs better than Demacia. It's got buffs better than Demacia. It, it, it is really a little disappointing because I I I can almost I already have said this last set uh, last uh, last episode that I don't really care for the aesthetic. I might be able to get behind the mechanic of it basically being like you get a little bit of everything. It's a jack of all trades faction, master of none. I can get behind that. But like, man, is it a little bit frustrating? And I gotta, you know, I gotta be honest, demoralizing as somebody that just doesn't care for Bandle City and doesn't want to play it, to look at, you know, factions that I do love and say, holy crap, like they just do it better. Like they do everything better. And can we talk about, by the way, you know, the fact that uh Bilgewater is just still in the dumps in terms of like most of its cards are still bad. Like it has yep. decks that are viable, but it comes down 90% of the time to Gangplank Fizz and TF doing degenerate things, and most of the cards in the deck aren't Bilgewater. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, you're just going for make it rain and the champions. And, right. You know. And and maybe before the nerf the harpoon, the monster harpoon, right? Like like so many cards in Bilgewater just aren't playable. And it's just a shame to look at because, you know, I, I feel like too many cards in Bandle City are playable to the point where like some cards don't see play in Bandle City because not because they couldn't be played, but because there's like three things better than them in that same slot. It's so weird. Like, like Bandle City just seems so forced and it's almost like they need to go through and re-release a lot of the, you know, factions that have been around for a while because so many cards just sit dead in the binder and the things that once made them stand out have now been power crept by Bandle City. Yeah, I don't know, Gibby, you were going to say something there before uh, before I jump in and close things out. No, he he covered he covered what I uh, what I had to say. It's uh, it's tough. It's tough to watch. Um, I would like to see some balancing, but you know, it's 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 all good. They they can do everything, and we we're 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 at that point, and at least it feels <laughs> at least there's a lot of variety there, right? So. Um, it's not just jamming the jamming the one same same deck down your throat. There's a lot of different variety for it, so I can get behind that. Um, Eternally optimistic, we'll, we'll... he is. <laughs> well, that's my name. There's some truth in the fact that, like, at this point, like if you're if you're building a deck that's mostly a faction and you're thinking about splashing, you always splash Bandle City, right? Because no matter what your deck is, it either wants Mini Morph, it wants Friendship, Pokey or stick. it wants Pokey Stick. Like yeah. those three cards are crazy. And then and then not only that, so like if you want to splash, Bandle City also has two ways to play it as the main subject of the deck in your really strong go wide boards with your poppy, with your fizz, with your whatever. 
or with your Bandal, Bandal Tree deck, right? The Bandal Tree deck is a very legitimate way to play Bandal City. The Go Wide is a very legitimate way to play Bandal City. And then, you know, also there's so many ways that you can splash Bandal that, or BC that are just, like, I don't know. Like, it's just very, like, now it's like, oh, I need to protect my champion. Like, I'm going to go pick up Friendship instead of anything at Targon. <laughs> like, because Friendship is just better. I'm going to go get some friends. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, Let's I just some want friends some for this friends. deck. So yeah. So anyway, it's very interesting. We'll have to see what happens uh, over the course of the next handful of months and see do they begin cutting this stuff back like they have with other factions. I mean they they pushed they pushed uh, all all of the all of the factions we've seen come out the regions we've seen come out they pushed them really hard and then have reeled and nerfed them all back in before the release of something new. So it's going to be interesting to see, do we see Pokey Stick, Mini Morph, and Friendship all get hit, plus several other cards from this set, before the next faction comes out, or right, you know, as it's coming out. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. That's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and, and tuning in. We really do appreciate all of our listeners. Um, if you do want to support the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. That's soon to become patreon.com slash camplegend. Um, thank you so much. We really do appreciate you guys. You guys are amazing and awesome. And uh, come and join us and hang out with us on Discord as well. Thank you for listening, and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.